When your child is struggling, as a parent, you need support. Welcome to Beyond Risk and Back. I'm at the 46th Annual Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium. This is in Colorado Springs, and once again, I get my hands on the experts. The men and women who are speaking at this conference, the, the, the other people having booths here, this is where all the experts in the industry of mental health and addiction and recovery gather to share the information they have, and I wanna get it into your hands. So thank you for joining me on this week's episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Harm reduction. This is a um, this is a hard one for parents, uh, largely because we get into the recovery, the concept of recovery, with the idea that something that's happening that's threatening life and limb will stop happening. It will never happen again. And um, I certainly personally practice abstinence with drugs and alcohol uh, and uh, things that have caused my life to get worse, not better. And there are things that we can't have abstinence around that are very addictive. Food, sex, internet, three examples of things that are, will be involved in our lives from now until the day we are no longer and our children and our children's children. So how do we do, how do we do harm reduction when it's hurting? And that's, that's a, so, so I have uh, Debbie Pats. Did I say your last name right? Well, it's Pates, but Pates, that's okay. Debbie Pates. And we're going to talk about harm reduction uh, because I believe this is also something that's immediately accessible to parents. And I believe there is a misconception of what harm reduction is. So Debbie, uh, before we get into the meat and potatoes, let's have some bread and salad. What are you doing at the Winter Symposium? Uh, how did you get here? What are you doing in this industry? And tell me about all the letters after your name. Okay, so I am at the Winter Symposium. I live in Colorado Springs. I work at University of Colorado, Colorado Springs. I'm a psychologist in the wellness center there. Okay. So my clients, there are college students. Okay. I also have a private practice. Uh, the letters behind my name, I am a PsyD, I'm a clinical, a doctor, doctor of clinical psychology. Okay. So I'm a psychologist. Right. I'm a CAC 3, and I'm also an experienced registered yoga teacher. So that's the E-R-Y-T. Oh I hate yoga. No, I love yoga that's okay. actually now. That's okay. Uh, but, but this is a recent <laughs> love affair of mine. So... Um, what and, challenges you? <laughs> uh, the, the standing You're, postures. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay. I could hold a foot up and kick all day long. I do Tai Chi regularly and teach it. Huh, the moment my foot is facing forward and I got to lift one leg, ha. Well, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm boogieing all over the floor. Um, so, Dr. Pates, um, thank you for being on the show. Now let's talk harm reduction. Okay. Um, first... Let's let's go right into it. As a parent, does this mean that I'm going to go ahead and let my kid smoke pot in the house because at least I know he's here and not out where he can add uh, getting arrested, possibly getting in violent situations. At least there's some level of control and reduction to the damage he's causing himself. That's such a complicated question. No, and that's and, this is the parent question. Okay, so the answer is maybe. Okay. Right. Harm reduction exists on a spectrum. 
harm reduction might mean um, for, with some of my clients. So I'm, I'm here actually at this conference speaking tomorrow morning about harm reduction. Um, with some of my clients, harm reduction looks like, okay, you're drinking 16 beers a night right now. Do you think that you could go down to 13 beers a night? Right, so I, I guess actually we're, what I need to back up a little bit. For me, harm reduction is uh, an entry point. I don't want to say to somebody ever, I am going to put hard and fast conditions on our work together. Okay. If you aren't sober, abstinent, I won't work with you. Okay. That turns people off. I come from a background of a number of years working in residential rehabs and then outpatient rehabs. And what I saw over and over again was people who weren't ready to be sober, but who were ready to engage in treatment on some level. But instead they're getting kicked out. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And they don't know where to go and they feel like they failed. I would see people who were sober for 10 years and went to a wedding, thought they could have a, a glass of champagne, went on a week-long binge, but they were sober for 10 years and successful, go back and say, here's your 24-hour chip and feel like a failure. And that doesn't, the title of my uh, talk tomorrow is When Abstinence is Unethical. That feels unethical to me. We are clinicians. We make up, we don't make a pledge like doctors do. We don't have a Hippocratic right. oath. But we say, um, I want to give my client unconditional positive regard. And how is that doing that? Right. Saying you failed. So what I want to do is explore what's going on with you. So I talk about a top-down, bottom-up approach. The top-down is, let's look at the behaviors. Can you reduce your beer from 16 to 13? Maybe you're not even ready to do that, but you've talked about wanting to eat more vegetables. I don't know, could you eat one or two vegetables a week? And come back and let's talk about it. Is this also maybe, how about instead of cocaine, let's smoke weed? I'm not gonna prescribe that, but it might be. I don't believe that every substance is equally harmful, and I believe that it is our duty to be honest with our clients. Sure. I also see some clients, I'm not going to go in saying this with a, with a person, but I see people who have a problem, let's say with alcohol, but not a problem with weed. They can smoke weed. I don't want to say adaptively because I don't want to sound like I'm condoning Look, it, but they can. I, yeah, I they do. can smoke weed and function and have relationships. When they drink, forget about it. Everything is out the right. window. Right. The Super Bowl happens. You share a joint with someone on your birthday. Four months later, you take a hit from a bong. You know, that there are people who can do that. I'm not one of them, which is why I personally, I have to do the abstinence right. model for me. Right. Uh, yes. And this is where I think people really miss it, which is why I peppered you with the, the question at the beginning. This is where I think harm reduction really takes a hit and people press it aside and say, that won't work for me. It's not a hard and fast rule on any one subject that's or concept. That's absolutely right. And that, but uh, that's the top down. Yeah. The bottom up, which is really, really critical. And this is where I'm going to meet anybody. I mean, if you come in completely lit, I can't work with you because you're not in a frame. But I will say to you, sit here, let's talk. 
Right. Let, let's sit here and talk. What's you going on? You can talk on? about How boiled broccoli, but That's you're talking. That's exactly right. That's exactly <laughs> right. Because what I want to do is establish a relationship of trust and acceptance yeah. with the person. The bottom up, which again is critical and I don't want to leave out, is why are you doing this? Right? It could be deep-seated, what we call capital T trauma. Right. You were raped. Your house burned down. You had, you know, multiple systemic, anything like that. The big ones. It could be you're lonely. I work on a college campus. Loneliness is a big, big, big problem. And I don't mean I don't have anything to do Friday night. I mean, I don't know who to turn to, and I'm really sad all the time. I want to begin to address these things. That's the bottom-up approach. And that is critical. And that's where I see a lot of treatment. And I'm, I'm, I'm not, criti- I am criticizing, but I'm not arguing. But what I think a lot of abstinence-based treatment leaves out is the bottom-up, what I'm calling bottom-up, is it's absolutely critical to address both simultaneously. And it seems that a harm reduction model leaves the door open longer for someone to be in relationship with someone who can support recovery. Harm reduction is commitment to long-term work with somebody. I've had people work with me and then they go back and I say, hey, are you ready to come back into treatment? You don't need to be sober, but you need to be honest. It's also a commitment to increasing well-being, right? Because I don't think recovery means only being sober. I think recovery, I'm not even sure everybody needs to be sober. Okay, but we need to be using adaptively. We need to be using in a way that coexists with physical health, mental health, good nutrition, well-being in general. So what I see, part of my model is increasing well-being in a number of domains, physical, social, spiritual, employment, which might be school, you know, whatever whatever your age is. That's financial um, health. Like That's exactly. Right. All of those domains, increasing health in those domains, increasing self-esteem, and then you know what? Your life is tolerable and you don't need to escape from it and anymore. It se- and it seems that if you're saying, alright, so let's see if some of this behavior can still work as you're increasing your mental, physical, spiritual, emotional, financial health, and let's, that's like, it's like, it's like a, a active motivational interviewing like like they're they're <laughs> doing right. all the the well you know i usually spend this much on alcohol that's not good for my finances if i drink this much i'll make more money you're like okay so you're increasing that health um let's, right. let's trade a day of drinking for a trade of extra a day of exercise maladaptive behaviors are is something that that is colliding with any of those getting better and not worse. That's exactly right. And harm reduction might look like exactly like what you said. Can you go one day without drinking? I just read a recent study that talks about um, exercise increases the positive reinforcing effects of cocaine, right? So not bad, right? So what we're trying to do is introduce healthier behaviors, reduce the need for... You could sell that to any cocaine addict right there. Yeah, yeah. If you exercise, you get a better high. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And that's where I'm trying to model it with my own life. But, and by the way, I am not sober, but I use adaptively, right? I grew up in a family where my parents drank one glass of wine every night with dinner put the cork back on, put it on the shelf. Took about two or three days for the two of them to finish the bottle of wine. I know what it's like to be able to do this with when you're not escaping from it. 
And so that is a possibility. That's part of what harm reduction is about, is I can't guarantee that that's your end result. You can't use just a little bit of meth and then go to work. There are certain, th there's, there's the biological component, but harm reduction is also about exploring what's right for you, not a one-size-fits-all approach. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk. This has been another... Sorry, I had a little technical difficulty right there. I put the ending on instead of a commercial. So let's keep going, because <clears throat> I was about to do a commercial break right there, and it was a brilliant transition, and I totally messed it up. <laughs> user error. <clears throat> so, now, user error. <laughs> so now let's translate this over for parents. Okay. Because the, the, one of the fear points, and I brought, that's why I hit with that big question at the beginning. Mm -hmm. Now we're talking about kids, right? We're not talking about someone who, they might be a functional cocaine addict and they are, uh, they've got a really high pressure Absolutely. job. Mm -hmm. They use cocaine as part of their performance enhancement, but it's killing them. It's killing their marriage. Mm -hmm. They don't talk to their kids anymore. But now let's, let's talk about how a parent does harm reduction with a 14-year-old girl who's carving up her right, arms. Right, and, and, and it, putting myself out there as an expert, the short answer is I don't know. Um, but what I want to share is actually right this very minute, one of my very closest friends is picking her son up from detox. Another one of my very closest friends, her son is in rehab. Um, and these are good people and good families. Of course. So I, it, it doesn't... Okay, what I mean is, I know that this is really, really hard for parents because I've spent a lot of time talking about it with my friends. Um, your question earlier, does this mean that you let them smoke in the basement? It, part of it needs to be what feels right for you. I have, my, my friend whose son is in, uh, no, actually it's the other one, the one who's in rehab right now. They said to him, we will support you in rehab, but we won't support you in any other way. So if, if that means for you couch surfing and doing what you need to do, that's what's right for us now. Um, it's going to look different for a lot of different people. That's the part of harm reduction that I think completely gets missed, is that this no hard and fast rule doesn't mean that you do let your kids smoke pot. It doesn't mean that you don't. It means that you figure out what's gonna work to reduce harm because it's not just the harm on this kid. That's right, and yeah. he, I understand. There's a lot, that there's not the harm on the kid, it's the harm on you as well. I used to run a group called Parents of Addicts. Not a very creative name, but you understand what it's about. You and know there your would audience. Be, that's right, and there would be the parents, I thought of them as the new parents, who were like, oh, but we still need to keep the doors open, we still need to, and the, uh, the old parents were, you gotta change the locks, you gotta stop letting him walk all Cut. over. You. That's exactly right. Yeah. I would say in any, in having, show your child love and acceptance. Show your child compassion. That doesn't mean don't have boundaries. Right. There's the, the fine line, you and I talked about this a minute ago before we went on the air, enabling versus acceptance. Right, exactly. Accepting what your child is going through and saying, I love you and I'm here for you doesn't mean enabling. Sometimes I think about you know, enabling, or I mean accepting might mean exploring. And that's what I'm, was, I was talking about before, that maybe you can, maybe you can't. I don't know, but we need to find out. And I'm here when you fail. So that's what I'll talk about with my clients. 
And I understand, I have two kids, and it's very, very, very hard to see your own child suffering. But remember that that's part of what's driving this behavior. I don't know why they're suffering. Is it loneliness? Is it bullying? Is it trauma? Is it lack of connection with people? It's definitely lack of connection. That's not an indictment of parents. I don't know who they're not connecting with. But how do I address these things with you? How do I support you without saying what you're doing is right and that I accept it? But sometimes it might look like that for the time being to keep the door open with your kid. We'll get back to our guest in just a second. I got to make a quick shout out to two organizations that have really helped out Fire Mountain and Beyond Risk and Back at our booth here at the Winter Symposium. First is Guayaki Yerba Mate. They have given us cases and cases of this amazing, incredible drink to hand out to other people, to get people in the industry of mental health and addiction to understand the benefits of Guayaki Yerba Mate and brain recovery, brain building. I could, I could spend an entire episode, which I did, by the way, with one of the co-founders, David Carr. So go listen to that Beyond Risk and Back episode. And you can always Google benefits, scientific benefits, scientific research behind Yerba Mate. And you will understand why we give this drink out to people in the industry. This is a hidden gem that is getting more and more popular. So please support us being supported by Guayaki Yerba Mate and go pick yourself up a can and get some for your teens. And then second, I need to thank Psychotherapy Associates Winter Symposium people themselves for letting us be here and broadcasting this show and helping us email all of the speakers to get the information, the, 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 the new cutting-edge research in brain development, addiction recovery, mental health. And I get to interview these incredible people and get their information into your heads, parents. So thank you to Winter Symposium and thank you to Guayaki. Okay, let's get back to our guest. So we're, we're talking during the commercial about this and you know, I, I do understand harm reduction um, and, I, and I truly believe uh, we're, we're answering a lot of questions about it. Um, let's, uh, let's talk about this remaining in connection Okay. with someone who may still be using. That's right. Part of what drives addiction is lack of connection. That might be connection to, lack of connection, it could be to self, it could be to others. Addiction is driven by shame. Addiction is more often than not underpinned by trauma. Right. Even the best parents, we can't control everything. Right, I, I, and, and trauma could also mean a lot of things. It could be, like I said earlier, it could be a car accident, it could be a the rape. The big T's. The big T's, it could be the little T's. I was bullied minorly in school. It could be, I don't feel like I'm pretty enough. Something, there could be, something mom and dad don't know went viral around the school and the kid is feels embarrassed because absolutely. they got caught peeing that, that's exactly like right. <laughs> that's exactly right. And if we feel that we are rejected by our parents, that's the ultimate rejection. Right. I am not saying accept this behavior, but I am saying it, it, the work that I do as a clinician, not a parent, but I hope as a parent too, is set your kid up for success. Set your client up for success. And what I mean by that is people aren't often, aren't always ready to change the big behavior, right? I want to, there's a lot of black and white thinking in addiction. You're sober or you're failing. 
I would like to soften the edges around that. I, and I'd like to start with maybe a less high stakes behavior because I don't want people to feel if I'm not ready to give up the thing, that's then I'm a loser. So what I want to do is maybe start with less high stakes behavior. Maybe you would like to start exercising a little bit. Sometimes people aren't even leaving their house. I had a client that I would, I would, she would come, I would encourage her to take an Uber to session and I knew she was drunk, kind of like what you were saying, right. but I connected with her right. and I would encourage her, when, when was the last time you left the house before this? Oh, I haven't and I feel so bad because I'm not taking care of my dog. Hey, why don't you do that? That's a great idea. Would you like to walk your dog around the block? I want to walk my dog around the block. Yeah, so she leaves fired up. That's not a huge thing to do, walk your dog around the block. But she would come in and say, I did that. I did that three times. And I would say, yay, there's going to be movement forward. There's going to be movement back. I want to set my people up for success. So if I say you have to be sober or you're not successful, they, I might just lose them right there. I want to say, what can you do? What are you willing to do? And if you don't do it perfectly... So I set them up by allowing them. Sometimes people will say, I'm going to go to the gym every single day for an hour. That's the way an addict talks. Right, that's exactly right. <laughs> and I'm going to say, really? <laughs> that's a great idea, but I don't think you're going to do it. Right. But I think you could go twice for 15 minutes. Do you think you could do that? And that's something that they probably can do. And then they might even have gone three times for a half an hour. But if they come back and they went zero, I'm going to say, okay, but you tried. Thank you so much for coming back here. What, 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 maybe that wasn't the right intervention for you. Maybe that wasn't the right starting place. Let's try to find I mean, somewhere that, else. And, and look, harm reduction is very strength-based strength language. That's exactly like, right. Like they're, they're, we, we, we win and we learn. This other L word called losing, it's not happening. And what, what a lot of the, the, the hard 12-steppers in here... Um, you know, they, they like to play off like it's all about this hard abstinence model, but it's not. Because if you show up to a 12-step meeting schnockered, they're going to say, I'm glad you're here and not out there. And just, just hang out here and hang out as long as you need to. And let's make sure we get you a ride home and let's stay in connection and who can hang out with them tonight. Mm -hmm. Like it's total harm reduction and strength that, That's right. <laughs> and, and one of the things that they, that 12 step model does brilliantly is exactly that connection. Yes. 90 meetings in 90 days. We have a sponsor for you. It's an instant friend. You can call them at 3 AM. But I think what we need right. to do is um, create that for people who aren't ready for that or who for whatever reason feel or have felt alienated by that and aren't ready to go back and into it. And it has to start with the parents and if it can't mm -hmm. because the parent is so deeply exhausted because they've been and run ragged happens. by this, of course, then the parent has to find a place where harm can be reduced. Mm -hmm. That's right. And this is tough. This is not, and it, honest to God, I have watched parents say, can you only cut once this week can we only do four cuts this month instead of 12 can we if you cut can you bring it to me no judgment and we make ritual and process out of the vitamin e oil and the it's something Beautiful. to stay Beautiful. in connection, connection and to make one piece of it better and you you said a really important word which is non-judgment yeah try to stay out of judgment you 
who knows why your kid is doing this, but it's not because they feel great about themselves in life. Because if they felt that, they wouldn't, they wouldn't be, be doing it. If parents and, knew how much of what we do as professionals is active non-judgment, how much of our jobs is sitting in the darkness with someone who's done the shittiest things to themselves and others and not pass judgment, that's right. they would realize that half the issues start to lose all this power, the shame and blame, the, those pillars crack and crumble when there's non-judgment. That's exactly right. And that's where I think the, the what I'm calling the top down, which is the behavioral stuff. Right. It almost doesn't even matter what the behavior is. I don't care what you're doing. What I want to know is what's making you hurt so badly that you need to that you that you need to resort to this, that you think that this is an answer. What's making you hurt so badly? And let's figure out how to make it hurt less badly while top down we're introducing healthier behaviors and taking out the harmful behaviors it's sitting in non-judgment and you, it might be and and again i don't know how the hard this would be as a parent but show me the cuts wow that that must have hurt a lot i really appreciate you being willing to show me that thank you for sharing that with me that is harm reduction mm -hmm. Uh, Dr. Debbie, how can uh, people get in touch with you? You're reaching out, so you're, you're talking here, someone feels a connection to the voice, they want more of, of you. What, what can they find? Where can they get you? I have a website. It's drdebbypates.com, D-E-B-B-Y-P-A-T-Z.com, Dr. Debbie Pates. Perfect. They got contact info there? Yep. Everything. Dr. Pates, thank you so much. This is, I know, I know how I came in hammering at the beginning. I think you handled it brilliantly. And I really, this, this concept of harm reduction is about connection before correction. Like you can't do it the other way. It won't work. Yeah. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk to you. My pleasure. And go teach yoga to other people. <laughs> no, thank you so much for being on Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you. This has been another episode of Beyond Risk and Back. Thank you so much for joining me, parents. Please remember to give us a listen, a like, a subscribe, and share us with your friends, other parents who need the support. I have a few people I'd like to thank. First is Frazier PR. I'd also like to thank Your Cause Consulting. And I need to give a shout out to Deepin Productions. As always, thank you to Mental Health News Radio for hosting this show. And I'd like to thank Guayaki. Guayaki has sponsored our booth here at the Winter Symposium. And of course, all my fans everywhere, all over the world, thank you so much for making Beyond Risk and Back a number one parenting podcast. Remember, parents, take care of yourself first, your adult relationship second, and your children third, because in that way, we do our best work with our children. I'll see you next week.